Wait, why did I sound so southern? <laughs> you always say gal-splain. <laughs> okay, okay, take two. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to Gal-splained. The podcast where two best gals explain anything and everything to each other better than any man ever has. This week we're diving into the woo-woo magic of manifesting and the weird intricacies of the human brain. Yeah, you could Google it, but isn't it more fun to learn it from a friend? I'm Michelle. And I'm Claire. Michelle, week three, how does it feel? It feels awesome. I'm so happy to be here with you today, Claire, even though it's only virtually. I know. I feel we have gotten a few questions about what it's like to have a long distance friendship like we have. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's been very much improved through this podcast. It's Claire and I have always had a friendship. I felt that, um, and I think I'm this person with a lot of people, not just you, honestly, that I just pick up where I left off with you all the time. So for a long time, we lived that way where we wouldn't talk for maybe months sometimes. And then we yeah. pick up the phone and tell each other every single thing for like five hours. It felt like maybe three yeah. hours. That might be an exaggeration. I felt like we were really like that when we both started college, which Michelle's a year older than me. So I was still in high school when she was in college and we definitely made an active effort to keep in touch, but it was harder just living in two different worlds. And then I ended up going to college like 30 minutes down the road from Michelle. So we were able to see each other probably more often than other people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And now that like I'm in New York and she's in North Carolina. Carolina. I don't know. It's just normal to have a quarantine friend. But with this podcast, like we've definitely been able to talk more. And I think just the other day, we were just talking about the podcast and then ended up talking about life. It was like, oh, we probably wouldn't have been talking about this so quickly if we weren't already talking about the podcast. So it's been really nice to catch up easier. I agree. I agree. I think in adulthood, which I guess we're in adulthood now (laughs) I think in adulthood we have to be a lot more intentional about how we're keeping in touch with people and the people that we want to keep in touch with because life gets busy and we had always made each other a priority but it's nice to have even more so you be at the top of my priority list so Michelle I love you from afar I love you always from afar Claire oh this is hurting my heart (laughs) I know I can't wait to give you a hug once this is over if it's ever over oh my god we're not going that way (laughs) but anyways thank you everyone for the support again I know we say this often but it's been really awesome uh, hearing all the support from our family and friends and even people who might not know either of us listening to the podcast for the first time. Um, it's something we've always wanted to do together and finally are doing and it feels like we've been doing it for forever because of all of y'all supporting us. I completely agree. I think that you could say we manifested it. Oh, manifesting. What's that, Claire? Well, Michelle, are you ready to get real woo-woo with me? (laughs) I love the (laughs) woo-woo. I think it's the only way to describe this realm of the world. So if you would get out your oils, your essential oils. Oh, I have them right in my drawer right here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Me too. I'll... I won't. Get out your oils. Oh, 
She did show um, me it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're on Zoom, so we can see each other. Um, get out your oils. Get out your candle. Get out your crystal. Ooh, uh, she also showed me a crystal. I know. I have a lot of crystals <laughs> around me, just because I like them. And we are going to talk all about manifesting. So I did want to give the preface of there is so much to manifesting, and we are just going to dip our toe in the water here. We're not going to be able to fully dive in in just 15 or 20 minutes. Michelle, I wanted to ask, what is your experience with manifesting? So I didn't get into more like woo-woo stuff until about like a year ago, you know, when I moved to New York. That's how it be. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And I don't really know where I stand with manifesting because I think there's a certain point where you can't manifest things. Like you got to you can't make something come from you just saying you want it, you know? Right. And I think, like, there has to be something with it, like a determination. And I have always felt a little held back from manifesting because I don't think I fully understand how it helps all the time. Yeah. A lot of what I saw when I was doing research on this was about how people let manifesting kind of take over and be the only thing that they do to let whatever it is in their life. And they also look at manifesting as a way to get control over their life. And I will share with you in the next few minutes that that is not what it is at all. It is not to get control over your life. I think it can be practiced in many different ways and people can have many definitions of it and ways that they use it. And you listener out there might be like, well, I use manifesting to manifest my Ferrari and I got my Ferrari. And that might be what someone thinks of it. But I'm just going to kind of broad terms, explain what it is, explain some pitfalls of it, some different ways that it can look in our lives, and then tell you kind of seven simple steps to manifest something. And then Well, we can share our thoughts on it, too, because I'm with you, Michelle. I think that there's places for it in your life. And then there's also a time and a place to understand that we do not have control over the universe. We only have control over ourselves. I am so excited to get into this. So manifestation is the idea that your thoughts and your energy can create your reality. So to put it into simple terms, That is what it means. Your thoughts and your energy can create your reality. So you can create the life that you want. You can have control and ownership over your life and you can manifest or create what comes into your life and what happens to you all through the energy that you put out into the universe. I heard a really interesting metaphor for this. Think about life like a radio station. If you want to listen to rock music, then you're going to tune into the rock station and you're going to be delivered rock music. Mm. People draw similar feelings about tuning into the station of your life that you want. So manifesting is tuning into that specific station that you want to be delivered what you want back. It's it's interesting to me because I feel like there is a bit of a misconception in my mind to what manifestation is. I don't know. I guess that with that, like I really relate to that. Like I think... How else would you do something if you're not putting your brain right to it? I 100% agree with you. I think that we all have manifested without even knowing it. This can look as simple as saying, today, you know what? I want to have a good day. So I'm going to have a positive attitude today. I'm going to do everything in my power to make it a good day. And if you say that to yourself when you're like brushing your teeth, 
curling your hair in the morning, whatever it is that you do, then, although none of us are curling our hair in the morning right now as we're all at home. I did um, curl my hair like about a week ago because I had my first day back at work. I will say that it was an experience. I burned my forehead <laughs> and I had to change which side of my head I put my bangs on. It was a whole experience. Sorry, had to put that in there. No, just like we're like back being like 15 again, teaching each other how to use a curler in the in the green room waiting to go on stage. But honestly, I think curling your hair can be not so much manifesting, but you're putting the intention out there. Today, I'm getting ready. I'm getting myself ready. Mm-hmm. I want to have a good day. I want to have a good day at work. It's my first day back. Here's the foot that I'm putting out into the universe one that's put together so manifesting is all about consciously creating the life that you desire and I think consciously is the key word there you're being an active participant in your life and you're taking ownership of wanting new things in your life instead of letting life happen to you you're kind of guiding it you're not exactly taking control of it because we don't have a hundred percent control over what happens to us obviously but you are guiding your life you're manifesting good things and a lot of people look at this more specifically with manifesting they can say I want a new job so I'm going to manifest a new job or like I said at the beginning I want a Ferrari so I am going to print out a picture of a Ferrari and put it as the first thing that I see when I wake up and the first thing that I do when I fall asleep. Or I want to meet the love of my life. So I am going to manifest that person. Every night before I go to bed, I'm going to think about three qualities that that person has. Manifesting can be really specific, but I think it's all about accepting whatever is given back to you. If you're manifesting every night that you want a partner that is tall, dark, and handsome, and then you meet a 5'5", five five, a blonde guy, and he's perfect, you might overlook that potential partner for you because you have something else in your head. Mm-hmm. So being more general about manifesting exactly what you want in the way of... It's kind of like a, you want a healthy manifestation. You don't want to think about it in a shallow way of view. You want to do it in a healthy headspace for where you'll... Not for what your destination is, but for how you want your journey to go. Exactly. Yeah, I've gotten in a lot of pitfalls in my life because I have thought I was manifesting a future that was exciting and good and like perfect and wonderful. But in reality, I was just overanalyzing a perfect future for myself and getting anxious about getting there as quick as possible. Yeah, and I'll talk about this a little later when I talk about the steps to healthily manifest something, but I've noticed when I've sat down to think about what I really want, if I've like manifested and put something out in the universe that isn't healthy for me, I'll know it. Like if I manifest... uh, in my past success in a certain relationship and that relationship wasn't right for me, then I'll know it and the universe will know it and it will give me exactly what I need. (laughs) Yes, so much so. I totally understand that. This happens to me so much that it has to be real. I always feel like there's like at least one sign, if not like three signs that come up that I could choose to ignore and I have chosen to ignore yet it's like no this isn't the way you should be going the universe is like this isn't right exactly and you know it the universe knows it and 
You can only truly manifest something when you are in tune with where you need to be. Everybody talks about the vibrations of the universe, and I'm not sure how much of this woo-woo I subscribe to, but if, if we're just going to go down this path for a minute, you have to be tuned into the right vibration of the universe, of the path that you are going down to get what needs to be delivered back to you. And I think in a way, like, yeah, this is woo-woo. I totally think that... Sometimes it's hard to believe some of this stuff. Uh, and it's just a it's just a spirituality belief system. If you don't want to take it, you don't have to take it. Yeah. And I think manifesting doesn't have to be like in replacement of religion. I think it can align really well, uh, depending on your religion or your spirituality. It can just be another practice of self-care that you practice. Mm-hmm. It does not have to be this huge factor in your day-to-day it can just be a way for you to tune in with your inner self and really think about what you want and how you are going to get there because that's what manifesting is I have been manifesting for years without even knowing it because my favorite quote has always been I think it's from Parks and Rec Leslie Nope says it (laughs) it's always been positive outlook positive outcome and I have always tried to go into things with a lot of positivity even if it doesn't always work out and the outcome has always been positive because I had the positive outlook. Even if it wasn't the outcome that I wanted, it's always worked out. Yeah, you're the most Leslie Note person I know, honestly. So if we think about the energy that we put out as the energy that we're going to get back, Michelle and I, we are both actresses, um, and we've gone into many auditions before. I know I've gone into some being an absolute desperate mess. That was the energy that I was putting out. And did I book those jobs hell no (laughs) it's all about people can see when you are in a mindset that is negative or positive or neutral or anything and that affects how people see you that affects how the world works around you even outside of people like it affects how you view the world kind of an experience that reminds me of uh, it's this audition experience of having negative energy and getting a negative outcome. I mean, we see that all the time, but there was a specific time where I was going in for an audition for a commercial when I was in New York for a brief period of time. (laughs) And um, I was just called into this audition, was in my day clothes, didn't do any prep work. It was an improv-based audition. And I didn't think twice about it. I didn't have any hesitation going into it at the end of the day this I hadn't known about it 10 minutes before so it wasn't going to make or break my day whether or not this went well I went in I did it and I didn't think about it again and I got a call back and I was so excited it was for a major national commercial and you know what I did I thought so hard about it and I practiced my improv skills so much for it. And I went and I got my hair done specially. And I picked a special outfit. And it's all great to be prepared. But I definitely had myself in the mindset where I was weighing so heavily on this audition. And the biggest part about manifesting is you need to do it. And then you need to let it go and be okay with whatever comes back. Oof, that- Yeah. Something really positive did come out of that experience. I didn't book that job, but I was able to go and meet 
my boyfriend's family for the very first time because it was going to be that same weekend. And I was able to have this really grand experience of meeting all of them at the same time, attending like a big family party. This was years ago, pre-COVID, of course. And that's an experience that I, I hold really dearly. So the universe knew what she was doing, right? <laughs> yeah, it. It definitely, like, does change a lot, though, when you can let something go and not let something go. I feel like that's when manifestation can get unhealthy, is when you think so hard about it. You sometimes, I've sometimes equated that to manifestation, and that was not manifestation. That was just over, what, overthinking? Overthinking, analyzing. (laughs) Analyzing. Yeah, there's a difference between being in tune with what you're thinking And also being in tune with what you need. Sometimes we think that we need something from the universe and we, or or from the world around us, from the people around us. I need this text message from this person that I'm talking to to come into my phone. I need it. And really it's a deeper issue. And what the rules of manifesting would tell you is instead of manifesting the text message to pop up on your phone, manifest something from within about how good you feel about yourself. Today is a great day. Uh, This is going to be an amazing day no matter what pops up on my phone. I feel amazing about myself. My body is beautiful. I am a wonderful partner to whoever I eventually end up with. Yeah. Positive affirmation. You can't always get what you want, but... Sometimes you get just what you need, Michelle. (laughs) I think he just blew out the mic there. That was hilarious. (laughs) So I do want to say a few things about what manifesting can look like before I get into the seven steps to do it. So I'm sure we've heard about a lot of these before. Manifesting can look like a vision board. Have you ever done a vision board? I love vision boards, but I always forget to do them because I'm a procrastinator, but they're cool. Yeah, it's all about like cutting pictures out for very visual learners. This might be great if you're a really visual person. I was just watching an interview with Oprah. It was actually about manifesting, so I'll share a quote later. But the interviewer goes, Oprah you were on my vision board for this year. And Oprah was like, no way. And they were so excited about it. So I thought that was very cute. You can also make a list of what you want or what you will accomplish, what will come into your life. This one doesn't speak to me as much, but it might speak to some list makers. You can also have a mantra or an affirmation. So I actually have two affirmations taped at the foot of my bathtub so when I take a bath I read them as I'm getting in because this is my peaceful space so I brought them I untaped them and I brought them out so I can read them to you and I always kind of set the space I set the intention for when I'm taking a bath this is my time of relaxation as a person that can be a little anxious this is my time to de-stress In here, I'm not going to bring my phone. I am going to have a trashy magazine probably in the bathtub. I'm not going to think. You read magazines still? My mom sends them to me. She still does. (laughs) You're one of the few people who has physical magazines. (laughs) I know this celebrity gossip is like a month old by the time my mom sends them to me in the mail, but I love them. Who wore it best? That's what I want to think about in the bath. I don't want to think about what's going on, the hellfire outside. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. So my 
little mantra that I have taped at the foot of my bathtub. I light the candle that goes along with it as I'm getting in, and it is all about peace. It says, May my mind, heart, and soul reach a state of perfect serenity. May all my thoughts and actions reflect my pursuit of a peaceful and tranquil existence. Ooh. Did you write that yourself? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was about to say, that's beautiful. Shout out to the bag lady here in Charlotte. It is an amazing spiritual store. And I got, I get all my wonderful candles there that have these mantras that go along with them. They have a lot of other things going on there as well. But that's one of my favorite things from there. If I go in and I feel like I need something specifically, having the intention of lighting a candle just speaks so much to me. I love that. I Can you send me a picture of that? I want that also on my wall. <laughs> Heck yeah. I think <laughs> what I'll do is I'll take a little picture when we release this episode of my setup that I have at the foot of my tub and it'll go on my Insta, our Insta. Our Insta. All right. I'll, at Galsplain Pod. <laughs> so manifesting can look like a lot of different things, but to you, it might mean surrounding yourself with the type of energy you want to be around, with positive people, energy, spaces, repeating affirmations. We do this all the time. We're very conscious creatures, conscious of what's around us. So if we can be conscious about what's going on in here, in our minds, we can be more conscious about what we're surrounding ourselves with and making sure that it's a reflection of the life that we want to live. To walk you through the seven steps of manifesting, the first one is to have a clear idea on what you want and have steps to make it happen. We talked about this earlier. Sometimes we think we know what we want and we'll try to manifest it. But step one is having a real clear idea and creating those steps. Step two of manifesting is asking the universe to support you in this. Asking the universe to reflect back to you what you want. I find that if I'm asking for something that isn't right, I'll know when I'm asking. Step three, do the work. <laughs> That's in everything I read about manifesting. It's doing the actual work. And then step four, trusting the process and letting it go. Step five, receiving and acknowledging what you get back no matter what that is. Step six, keeping your vibration keeping your energy high, staying positive. And then step seven is clearing all resistance internally, mentally, roadblocks and resistance because most of the resistance comes from us. The universe is not going to deliver anything to you unless you take action, uh, unless you think about what you want in your life and you try to make that happen. But that also means that if bad things happen, it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. You didn't do a bad job manifesting. It wasn't a reflection of your attitude. Things just happen and we have to understand that, which is my issue with manifesting. Sometimes when something, I think that I'm working on something really well and then it doesn't happen, I'll get down on myself about it. Um, I wanted to share when I feel like manifesting has brought something into my life and this will kind of wrap up this topic so Jeff is my boyfriend that I live with you'll hear me talk about him so on the podcast Michelle <laughs> obviously knows him so it's weird to have to introduce him every time but the day that I met Jeff I was talking to a friend about dating and telling her that 
for the first time ever, I just felt really open, really fine with whatever happened. And I really meant it. I didn't feel any pressure to go out and meet someone. I didn't feel any pressure to make something happen. But I did feel like I was really open to whatever happened. And I remember saying to my friend Rachel, who is our the mutual friend that Jeff and I shared and how we met, I remember saying to her that I was just going to put an omen out in the universe. And I said it like a big joke. We were drinking. I'm just going to put an omen out into the universe. I'm going to let whatever happens to me these last two weeks of school, it's just going to happen. We're just going to let it be. And I will accept anything that comes in my life and she was like yes girl and then 10 minutes later Jeff walks in our front door of our apartment and he was like Rachel I'm here to pick you up and I was like oh who's that (laughs) I don't think I ever heard this part of the story before yeah (laughs) dang so it won't work all the time if you scream an omen after taking some tequila shots I can't we can't promise you that your love of your life is gonna walk through the door because I don't think that's how it works all the time (laughs) but it does show about right your mindset headspace yeah for sure I was in the right headspace to let things happen in my life and if you agree or disagree, or if manifesting looks like something else to you, our listeners, please let us know. We are just two experiences here. Um, but this has been so fun to talk about. Yeah. Thank you so much for gal-splaining to us today, Claire. But uh, I think I hear a bell. Is it time for recess? I think it's time for recess. So we asked you on our social media uh, some questions about our last podcast uh, episode, some homework you had last time. So now we just get to talk about it. Yeah. So keep in mind at Galsplained Pod on Instagram and Twitter, if you ever answer our questions on there, you could be featured in the next recess. But last week we asked um, throughout all the craziness that happened last week, did you catch our episode on Greek mythology and apology? languages. We want to hear from you. What's your favorite mythology story and what is your apology language? Caro.Mason said, my apology language is accepting responsibility. A hundred, a hundred, which I think she means a hundred percent. That's just all she needs. And I, I think I and Claire were obviously totally relating to that. (laughs) I think it's really funny. I had a conversation with uh, Jeff about this after, and we have the exact same apology languages, exact same breakdown. So I thought it was fun to get this conversation going. I think Jeff and I's favorite Greek mythology is Hercules. Uh, I know it's his favorite Disney movie. And Michelle, do you remember in high school how obsessed we were with the opening of Hercules? Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. (laughs) Hercules is an amazing movie, uh, and I very much love it. However, it is not very um, forgiving to Greek mythology. It's it's not true at all. It doesn't have any basis in Greek mythology. But, But despite all that, Hercules is like one of my favorite Disney movies, and Meg is my icon. I love it. Yeah, you could totally like be her for Halloween next year. Wow. Wow, that is the grandest compliment you could give me, Claire. 
Wow. <laughs> With the I'll purple eyes. I'll be your Hercules. <gasps> Wait, you would actually be a pretty good Hercules to my match. No, that is not a good compliment. Why? You have blonde hair. That's cute. I like it. <laughs> I'll be Hercules. You be Meg. How about that? No, no, no. I want to be one of those women at the beginning. Oh, the muses. Yeah, let's just be oh, the yeah. muses. Yeah, let's just go back to high school and be the music like on we the wanted pod. to do all along. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of times when I was in middle school that I danced around my room singing, I won't say I'm in love, like acting like, you know, I was in love with this guy who was like obsessed with me and like I really was trying to get over him because I didn't need that in my life as a strong, independent 12 year old. Like, <laughs> I really was that person when I was in middle school. Start him young. Start him young. I felt it. I felt it. (laughs) Well, I love this. This little break has been wonderful. But Michelle, are you ready to move into part two of our lesson today? I think I am. Welcome back from recess, everyone. Today, we're talking about some weird brain stuff. Now, I have a bit of a background with like learning about the mind and the brain. I'm just wondering, do you have any experience for how the brain functions or works? Like right off the bat, I just want to know your level uh, of expertise before I start um, quizzing you today, Claire. Oh, shoot. I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. I didn't study. (laughs) Science was my worst topic. The one that I find the most entertaining, but as a subject, uh, I did not like it. I like psychology, so I think that that falls in here, but yeah, I don't know a lot, Michelle. Yeah, and well, and I think you might relate to this. I did learn a little bit about the mind and how the brain works actually in college because we both went to acting schools, albeit different acting schools. We talk about that a lot. Um, and they did, we did learn a good amount, or at least I did, I'm sure you did too, about the brain yeah. and the mind and how it works. But, you know, I'm no neurologist, so I can't cover all the weird intricacies of how the brain works, just like the fun misconceptions and like a few really scientific things, but I'll try to make it real simple. We're just doing the thing that the gal-splained audience wants to hear. Just the weird stuff about the brain, not all of it. Yeah, and I've always found the brain really interesting. I also wasn't, honestly, a huge science or math person. I was definitely a history-English brain in high school. But I've always found psychology and um, a ton of science videos on YouTube really interesting. So diving into this was uh, experience. I also took a little bit of inspiration, if anyone knows Bo Burnham, from his Left Brain, Right Brain song. I think that's... I am the right brain. I am yeah. the right brain. <laughs> Definitely go listen to it if you haven't, haven't listened to it. It's a very funny thing. But I think we always talk about like, oh, I'm the right brain. I'm a very right brain person. I'm a very left brain person. And that's kind of one of those instances. I also would recommend... This is kind of my recommendations section of my lesson for other listening or watching you can do because I think there's a lot of cool stuff out there and I just really need to highly recommend a video made by CGP Gray called You Are Two. Very interesting and scary. I cannot dive into all the things he talked about in that but it really opened my mind to how weird and primitive and crazy our brain is and 
I just need everyone to watch that. So plug for that. I'll watch it. I'll watch it, Michelle. But spooky season is over. I don't know. We're getting spooks all year round. (laughs) Other than that, there was also that movie Lucy with Scarlett Johansson. Remember that? Where she only used 10% of her brain and she turned into a superhuman computer, like morphed through time and space. Shoot, is that what Limitless is too? Or is that different? It might have been a knockoff of Limitless, but I never saw Limitless, so there's that. But yeah, I think there's like a ton of cool things that happen with the brain that are also unexplained. Like some people can't smell, they just can't smell. Did you know that? No, what? Some people just are born with not being able to smell. Some people can't hear a voice in their head. Like, do you have a voice in your head? Of course, and this freaks me out when I hear that people don't have internal monologue. Yeah, well, like, mine is a bit abstract, but I definitely have a voice in there, you know? Um, And apparently some people just don't have one. I think it's also crazy because people also can't, some people can't see images in their head at all. And some people see a ton of images in their head, like, very specifically. Like, tell me, if you picture in your head someone riding a bicycle, can you, like, sense that image with every sense including visually yeah some people can't even see it visually I'm sure that this is a whole other thing about dreams but I always think it's really interesting to talk to people about their dreams and what they can visualize in their dreams I never thought it was weird that my dreams I could smell and taste and see and hear and see in color and have these really vivid dreams and then I talk to someone and they're like nope My dreams are in black and white and nobody talks. And I was like, what? Yeah, I think we could get into dreams at some point in a later episode. Uh, But yeah, that all has to do with how the brain works in all these weird ways. But going back to left brain, right brain stuff, there's a psychobiologist and Nobel Prize winner called Roger Sperry. And he's the reason that we know about the left brain and right brain having separate functioning. And this was a study done all the way back in the 1960s. So that's kind of where this all started. Basically, the idea of it, if you've never heard of left brain, right brain, is that the left brain is the analytical brain or the computer brain. They're in charge of things like logic, sequencing, linear thinking, mathematics, facts, and thinking in words. You know, nerdy stuff. (laughs) While the right brain is more in charge of things like imagination, holistic thinking, intuition, arts, rhythm, nonverbal cues, feelings. That's the, you know fun part of the brain but what do you think do you have a more dominant left brain or right brain I would say I have a pretty healthy balance I fall when we look at this similarly to like a a Myers-Briggs personality test I go a lot between thinking and feeling I find myself on both sides of the spectrum in different situations I definitely fall more probably in the right side the creative space but maybe modern school has pushed me into (laughs) the left brain. I think that's definitely true for you. But also that was a trick question and a trap because it's actually not proven that some people are more right brain than left brain. And so you are both sides of the brain because it's a lie. You can't be a dominant right brain or left brain. Yeah. And it's important (laughs) to be able to assess both sides of your brain they're both there for a reason they both help you (laughs) yeah absolutely actually 
if you do watch the UR2 thing, it does talk about this a little bit. Uh, so the only way that you can actually be more left brain or right brain is if a part of it is damaged or if a pathway to connecting the sides of the brains are cut off. Um, of course, you can identify with being more creative or right brain, as me and Claire mm-hmm. probably do, uh, or vice versa, being more left brain. But that doesn't mean you're actually physically processing more or less on one side or the other. So at this point, it's kind of become more of a colloquial thing that we say right brain or left brain. So left brain, right, right brain, all that considered, we got that out the door. But switching gears, we're going to talk about brain chemicals. So I've always heard that chemicals affect the brain often and they like affect our emotions and mental health. Like, I feel like that's a thing we always say now. We're always like, ah, my brain chemicals are all messed up. But like, do you know what that even means? What a brain chemical is? I have no idea, but I feel like the term like chemical imbalance or like brain imbalance, it has served us in society as a way for people that might not have understood mental illness to come to terms with mental illness, thinking about it. Maybe these people are really left-brained and they can't think about it from a right-brain perspective and they have to think about it very scientifically, very factually. And so the terms chemical imbalance make them okay with mental illness, which we should all just be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it, and it definitely does help explain it. But I think I'm going to quickly get into what technically brain chemicals and a chemical imbalance does mean. So this is going to be the hardest part to understand. So I'm going to take this really slowly. I'm going to throw some big words at you really quick. um, And then we'll just be having fun again. Uh, So raise your hand verbally, Claire, if you have any questions. Okay. (laughs) All right. So the info in a singular neuron or nerve cell is sent in messages called action potentials. So these action potentials start in the neuron and they go down the axon in the cell towards something called the axon terminal that is filled with these little bubbles called vesicles that hold neurotransmitters that are ready to be released. All right. See, that was a lot of big words that are very scientific. So I'm just going to put it simply. It's kind of like a mail truck picks up a package that's ready to be delivered. They uh, don't take it straight to the place to deliver it. They take it to the post office to be processed and sent out from there. So mm-hmm. going along with what actually is happening, there is the synapse in the brain, which is the space between the cells that this info is sent between. In that way, the neurotransmitters are sent out from one neuron to other neurons across uh, the synapse to convey the message given by the initial action potential. So when we talk about brain chemicals, what we are really talking about are the type of neurotransmitters that are released from the brain in response to the initial chain of events. Meaning, going along with the earlier analogy to make it make sense again, the mail truck that now has multiple packages to deliver after going to the post office um, puts together it all from that local post office and then sends it out onto the road to many different post offices in other areas. So the road would be the synapse, the packages are all the neurotransmitters, and the post offices would be the neurons. All right. Any questions? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna think about it like a little mailman in my brain. Yeah, like, so you've got many like little inside mailmans. out. <laughs> it's like a- like inside out, except they talk about your feelings and this is just my 
brain mailman. And they work at the speed of light. They're really quick mailmen. (laughs) (laughs) So if everything's good from here, we're going to go on a little more. But the hardest part is over, I swear. That was... We just needed to know the basics. Okay. Okay. So these neurotransmitters, these little packages, they can be excitatory, which means that they stimulate brain activity, or inhibitory, which means they slow down brain activity. So there's like a lot of probably neurotransmitters that you are familiar with, like serotonin, dopamine, glutamate is not one you're familiar with, but one that is involved in your early brain development. So you wouldn't be around after babyhood, if not for glutamate. Um, yeah, we, we talked about briefly some of this the first week when talking about cold showers. When the cold water hits your body, a certain, I forget, dopamine? Yeah, dopamine. Is released, yeah. Well, dopamine is a whole thing because that relates to pleasure and rewards, which can motivate you. So that's why cold showers would have been so motivating because you get in it, it releases all those motivating things because it helps you achieve certain rewards. Dopamine can be bad because a lot of drugs target dopamine, which is not good. But we will actually get more into that soon if we talk about uh, glutamate and GABA, which is kind of related to glutamate. I think they're kind of related in some sort of way. I don't know. But glutamate is uh, excitatory. GABA is inhibitory. And I say all this because we're going to switch gears from neurotransmitters and start talking about neurohormones. So I'm not going to talk about how those work in the brain because we already talked about a whole scientific lesson and neurohormones (laughs) kind of work in a very similar way. But I read a really interesting article by Jessica Schmerler in the Scientific American about how the neurohormone, I cannot say that word, neurohormone called (laughs) oxytocin works. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. I know about oxytocin. Yeah, you probably do know about oxytocin, Claire. So, oh, no. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, Claire, um, how does your brain feel when it's drunk? <laughs> Light, airy, like anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like oftentimes when you are drunk, when I've gotten drunk, like, you know, I just... I feel like it just lets me go. I'm just loose. I can do anything, but, you know, not anything bad, but it just, it, it inhibits you, right? Right. We all have those friends that only say how they're feeling when they drink. Yeah. Or only do certain things when they've been drinking because it's like they release a certain part, a certain hold that they have over themselves. Their oxytocin goes wild and they're, they're free and relaxed. Now, oxytocin actually is a little bit separate from alcohol. I want to ask you, how do you feel when you're in love, Claire? How does it make you feel when you're most in love? All warm and fuzzy. And I mean, I think when you're at the point where you're first falling in love, you can get a very one-track mind. Everything is focused on that person that you are falling for. Everything is about that person. They can do no wrong. <laughs> and then as it develops and grows, it, it becomes more multifaceted than that. But still that same feeling of 
in invincibility with your love anything is possible <laughs> i feel like i'm leading the witness here a little bit but if we're gonna talk about <laughs> oxytocin a little further i'm gonna give you the spoiler that oxytocin is actually nicknamed the love hormone it facilitates Ooh. bonding and it increases trust and friendliness but it also does increase aggression risk-taking and prejudice which would be in-group bias so a lot of people agreeing within their group or agreeing with people who they identify with um so it's kind of how you do feel when you're in love a study by the university of birmingham in england revealed that alcohol had all these exact same effects on people wow yeah so the reason they thought that this might be is that oxytocin stimulates GABA. Remember that earlier neurotransmitter we were talking about? Right. It stimulates GABA to be released. Now, GABA inhibits the brain. It can lead to anxiety when low, but ultimately it just really inhibits you. Um, And oxytocin stimulates it to be released. Alcohol binds to GABA receptors and ramps up GABA activity, leading for it to have the same effect of tamping down brain activity. So... When you're in love, it's provably similar to how you are when you're drunk by lowering your inhibitions. Alcohol makes you feel in love, which is probably why so many people drink to excess. Um, yeah, (laughs) that's exactly true. So not only can you get drunk off love, but you can also feel in love when you're drunk. So never say I love you when you're drunk. That is a good thing to remember. As Beyonce said, drunk in love. Uh. (laughs) but this is my last fun fact of the evening um and then we're leaving on this lovely little love note um a study done in march 2015 said that oxytocin can block gaba and honestly i'm so sorry for saying gaba so much i'm sure that you're not actually supposed to pronounce it gaba it's just the acronym g-a-b-a and i just thought it'd be easier to say gaba this whole time (laughs) please yes Um, But a study done in March 2015 said that oxytocin can block GABA from being bounded from alcohol. So this means a lot of things. This means, first of all, when you're in love, you want to drink less, right? Because being in love releases oxytocin. Yes, yeah. But what it also means is there's hope that they can use oxytocin in medications to treat alcoholism and other substance abuse disorders. That's so interesting. Just through the brain and the brain chemicals. <laughs> I love how that brain does work. Thank you, Dr. Michelle. You're welcome. I just learned all this really quickly. And now you know, too, with all these scientific terms I threw at you really quickly. <laughs> Michelle, I would love to know, has your drunk brain ever talked to you into something? And and tell me what happened. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is probably just... I need to think about that one and what not to say. I know. I feel that. (laughs) I I, I will say, I will say when I'm drunk, I feel like the next day I'm always so embarrassed by how annoying I am. And it might not be true, (laughs) but in my mind, I just cling on to people like, and this doesn't mean like, you know, people, but this means like friends. Like I'm just, I am like absolutely the like I love you so much drunk and like I just think the next day so much about how loud 
I was. Ask someone that loves words of affirmation. I love that this is how you get when you've been drinking. Um, I think, so I am an improviser and I do a lot of improv shows. Even virtually, we're still doing shows. And I know a lot of people, even when I have seen professional improv shows, have a drink or two before. They don't drink to get drunk. They have a drink or two to kind of lower their inhibitions, get that dopamine, right? Uh, It could be dopamine. I think it might be dopamine. It also could be serotonin. Oh, get get all that (laughs) flowing and kind of let them follow their impulses a little bit more because following your impulses and improv is really important. I will say I think that we've all had those moments when we've been drinking and now I can blame it on my brain that we felt invincible, that we have said, I'm going to, at Elon, where I went to college, a big thing was jumping in fountains. I'm going to jump in that fountain. (laughs) I am going to climb onto, I know, it was just a really big thing. I don't know why. And you never had the urge to do it unless you had been drinking, right? Mm -hmm. I feel you. That's that's being drunk and in love and drunk in love and the brain on all of that for today. So class finished. I think that's the end of my gal splaining. I love it. Thank you, Michelle, my, my BFF, for walking us through that and for another week of this wonderful podcast if I do say so myself so everyone listening please follow us at Galsplain pod on Instagram and Twitter to join the Galsplained fam yeah join the fam and uh, for our homework today let us know on our social media what are you manifesting and also what has your drunk brain made you do it's not your fault it's not <laughs> well maybe you're manifesting it and maybe it is your fault <laughs> All right, subscribe, rate, review, and we will see you next week for another episode. Bye, everyone. Have a good week.